after that worship set, man, just phenomenal what God is doing. I'm looking forward to part two of Fight Night. Welcome back for round two. Last week, you guys held with it. Fantastic. God is so good. And uh, we're just diving into the book of Esther. We're pulling out the uh, relationship portions, and we're really helping to fight through the difficulties in our relationships. Because too often what happens is that we go through conflict, and conflict cuts through our relationship. So now, instead of allowing conflict cut through the relationship, our prayer, our desire is that we would cut through conflict, that we wouldn't see conflict destroying our relationships. Now, isn't it funny what we fight about? I mean, you just think back about the things you fight about. Matter of fact, let's all just talk about it just for a second. Shout it out. What are some things that you and your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend fight about? Just shout it out. Dinner, I heard dinner. Bills, directions. I'm hearing all kinds. You fight about mother-in-laws, fight about money. What is it? Laundry. Laundry, that's a great one to fight about. You should definitely throw down over laundry. You know, who's going to clean up the stink, you know? That's great. Isn't it just funny, all the things we fight about? I mean, here's what I've learned. I've learned that fights take place at the worst possible times too, right? Like, you're on the way to a restaurant, and you're fighting, and you're supposed to meet, like, friends, and you walk in, and you just got to act like we're the happiest couple, like, we just got off of this reality TV show happy, you know? We just want a new house kind of happy, you know? Sometimes, uh, my wife and I will go to uh, a church family's house, and on the way, and it's usually, usually 99.99 whatever percent my fault, and we're, like, pulling up front of the house, and we can't get out of the car because we're in a fight, and we're like, how are we supposed to go into the house when we just started this little fight? I mean, fights can happen happen over anything, anytime, anywhere. So how do we deal with it? And here I want to start with a couple pictures because oftentimes we look at our spouse and we don't see them correctly. So a couple images. How many of you see two silhouettes of a man's face? Mm-hmm. All right. How many of you see a white kind of candelabra goblet thing? You see it? Okay. That's an easy one, right? Easy. How many of you are like, I only see the two faces? You only see the faces? How many of you see both images? You see both images? Excellent. All right, we started E1. Let's step it up just a little bit. Let's go to the next picture. All right. How many see two old people? How many see the other two guys? How many of you, you only see one image? You don't see both. You only see one image. Okay. Oh, there we go. I see the light is clicked. That is understanding. This is enlightenment that's happening, okay? Everybody see two images now? Okay, all right, let's go to the next one. Here we go, next image. All right, how many see the young woman? All right, how many see the old woman? Oh, how many of you are like, there's an old woman there? What, what? Okay, all right, how many are like, help me out, I need some help, show me the old woman. Okay, this is the old woman's chin. This is her mouth. This is her eyes, this is all her nose. Okay, now you see it? How many of you see both images now? You see both images now? Some of you are like, no, I gave up. I just, just get on preach or something, you know? So, all right, let's do the next picture. All right, how many see a face? How many see a word? What's the word? There we go. How many of you see both images? You see both images? Okay. All right, this is, the, this is my favorite. Let's go to this next one. All right. How many see the dog? Whoa, a lot more than the first service. You see the dog. How many think I'm just trolling you and there's no dog? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think I'm just messing with you. Uh, all right. Once again, how many see the dog? You see the dog? All right. More of you? More of you? How many of you don't see a dog? You're like, I do not see the dog. I don't see the dog. Okay. Let me help you. I'm, I'm, I'm a short man. All right. So don't get a fight with me. I'll punch your kneecaps. All right. Here's the dog's head, his leg, body. It's sniffing the ground. How many of you see it now? You see a little bit more? Okay. A little bit clearer? Okay. That's a perfect example of a husband and wife or a guy and a girl in a relationship. Okay. How many know women see things a different way? Right? Right? Okay. Some of the husbands are like, this is a trick question. No, no, no. My wife's perfect. She doesn't. How many, how many know men see things a different way? How many know in a relationship you both need to see it both ways? Right? Isn't that hard? Because you're looking at a picture and you're like, I don't, I just don't see why we need to go to your mother-in-law's every Sunday. Like, I, I just don't see that picture there. I just, I just don't see why we always have to do what you want to do and not what you, I want to do. And, and so the goal of a relationship is for both of us to see each other's perspective. But how many know that's a fight to get there, isn't it? It's a fight to get understanding. But now, once you have it, you, now you see the dog, and you're like, I just see the dog. When I first saw this picture, I was like, there's no dog there. It's just a bunch of uh, white and black fuzzy things. Now, they say you're a genius if you found it in 15 seconds. So if you found it in 15 seconds, feel really good because you are genius level, okay? If you didn't, well, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, It's not quite genius status. It's more like dumb status, but that's okay. We, we're, we're okay with that. And, uh, uh, but I, all week, I was looking at this picture, and it took me forever to get this picture. Now, I see the dog immediately. I just see it. So my prayer through the series is that you would just see it from your spouse's perspective. That you, it would just be like, wow, I get it. I get how when I come home late, you feel disrespected because you've had the meal going. It was hot and it was good, but now the chicken's dried out. And when I complained that the chicken was dry, it wasn't dry an hour and a half ago if I would have just shown up on time. I see it now. Clarity, all right? So that's what we're going for in the series because it's not about fighting fair. It's about fixing the fight so the relationship can win. Your relationship's going to fight. So we want to fix the fight so the relationship can win. And we're studying this book of Esther. And this book is an amazing book on relationship and marriage. Chapter 1, you meet King Xerxes. King Xerxes is married to Vashti. Vashti is deposed as the queen because King Xerxes summoned her. She didn't want to come. And so he exiled her from the kingdom. All right? So what she wanted temporarily, she got permanently. You see how that happened? What she wanted temporarily, she wanted a temporary absence, it turned into something permanent. There are some things that we say we want an absence from our, oh, I just need a break. I just need a break from them. All of a sudden, that little break can turn into something permanent that we never wish for. See how it can happen? Well, there's an old cliche that says, be careful what you wish for may come true. So let's dive into the scripture this morning. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts as we go into verse number one. Here's what the Bible says. It says, after these things, as the rage of King Ahasuerus, that Xerxes abated, he became mindful or remorseful of Vashti, what she had done and what was decreed against her. So the king's servants who attended him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of the kingdom so that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to the citadel of Susan to the harem under the custody of Haggai, the king's uh, uh, eunuch who is in charge of the harem, and let ointment and cosmetics be given to them. And may the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the idea pleased the king, so he acted accordingly. You know, it's amazing. You can look at your relationship 
and you would put a, my relationship would be good or great or better if they would just do blank. And so here he is once again, he's disappointed and King Xerxes is disappointed. So all of a sudden he's sad. His, his uh, counselors come to him and say, hey, king, we know it's going to make you happy. Just go get a bunch of beautiful women and just parade them in front and just pick yourself a new wife. It's not that hard. We could solve this. And the saying, he liked it. And I feel like that's so much like today. Now, a little backdrop. Back then, the women that were selected and picked were between the ages of 14 and 16. Now, don't think these are 25-year-olds that are going off to the bachelorette. This is not that, okay? This is actually young girls who were taken from their homes, and they were going to be paraded before the most powerful man that they knew. And that's going to be—you see, 14-year-olds get psyched out, and they're really— worried about high school now imagine the pressure on a 14 year old girl it's not just her first date with the boy down the street it's the first date and it's the king of your country okay and he has the power and he just has taken the last girl and he's gotten rid of her all right scripture doesn't say if she's beheaded or if she's gone or if she's put in exile scripture just leaves that blank but anything could happen in the pressure that's on her right now and so here the king's men they come to uh, uh the king xerxes and they say choose a woman that pleases the king and i underline that three little words pleases the king because that's exactly what they said about vashti he said, Vashti's the most beautiful woman. She is so beautiful. She's so fair. She's got everything going for her. And this is where a lot of relationships are. I call it the chemistry section. Because many of us, we're looking for the silver bullet for our relationship. And I'm just going to give you three words, and I just want you to write down these three words. I think they're going to help you immensely this morning. Write down the first word is chemistry. God loves people that take notes. People that take notes are blessed, all right? God's favor will smile upon you. Your gas tank is filling up right now as your car sits in the parking lot because you are taking notes. Now, you see, uh, today, relationships last as long as the chemistry lasts. Haven't you noticed that? You see that person that hops from relationship to relationship to relationship. You ever wondered why? And it's because the chemistry ran out. Because chemistry will only take you as far as the first conflict. Amen? Amen? That's something I would write down. Because some of you, you've hopped from relationship to relationship or job to job, spouse to spouse. Why? And it only lasted as long as the chemistry lasted. And chemistry's fun. Don't get me wrong. That stage of the relationship is a blast. Man, you guys are just in love and everything seems great. But then the chemistry runs out and you have the first conflict. You think, well, this is just not meant to be. The very well, uh, fairy, ta- uh, fairy tale is just over. And so let me go on and find somebody else. And that's exactly what he's starting all over. You see, he started with Vashti. What was different about Vashti? Nothing. He pleased him. He's looking for a relationship that has chemistry. And some of you, you feel like your relationship is, is, is going to make it because you have chemistry. And I'm telling you this morning, chemistry is not a strong enough foundation to weather the storms and difficulty of a real relationship. You see, you are still going to have conflict even if you have chemistry. You're going to have conflict. And conflict comes because of two things. First of all, please write this down. It becomes because of threat or neglect. Those are two reasons why you have conflict, threat and neglect. You say, why? Well, if we go to his favorite restaurant, we're not going to mine. Therefore, I'm being neglected. Threat. If he goes and spends his time with all of his guys, then guess what? He's not going to spend as much time with me, and I don't know what he's doing with his guy friends or who else may be there that's not just a guy friend. Threat. I don't know if I want her going to the gym because I've been to that gym. Everybody looks really good. And while they got six packs, I got a keg and I'm a little bit nervous. I feel threatened. Okay. Do you see how easy it happens? 
It, it, it just happens. And so conflict arises out of threat and neglect. You say, well, what do I do about this conflict that arises out of threat or neglect? There's a psychologist, his name is John Gottman at the University of Washington. And John Gottman have been doing a lot of reading on him this week. He says he could predict if your relationship's going to work out to 90%. 90% success rate if your relationship's going to work out. And he said it's based on how you fight based on how you fight. He's got this little lab that he calls his love lab where he, he hooks all these people up to heart monitors. He hooks them up to, he takes blood samples. He's got them up to uh, how their, their palms get sweaty. And he, and he watches couples fight and he's been doing this for over 30 years. So all of a sudden now he says, I can tell if a couple is going to make it or not based on how they fight. And he says, here's four key areas where we see couples fight. And this is the four kind of the, the death spiral. He says, first of all, when you fight, do you start with criticism? Criticism is the critical comment. Oh, well, you cook like your mother. Oh, you look like your mother. Oh, you know, there's just little things that you just say that are cutting and unkind. Or, or you know, the boyfriend that I dated in high school, he, he actually could go keep a job or something. It's just that criticism, that criticism. It's how, how, how we fight. Now, here's the next step. You start with criticism. What does the other person do? They get defensive. See, he said that's the next layer in the downward spiral. He says, first of all, when we see a couple that they criticize each other when they're talking, yeah, you always pick dumb restaurants. You always spend all of our money. Critical. You see how it goes? He says, starts there, then one gets defensive. Well, I spend our money because you don't take care of me. Or I go to this restaurant because you never love me. So I just have to go somewhere I like. We get defensive. Then it goes down to the third one. And he says, then it's contempt. Contempt. See where it started? First, you were critical. And then it moved on to where you're defensive. Then you get a contempting attitude. Where everything they do, you just see contempt in it. They can't do anything right. Man, they put away the dishes. I hate the way you put away the dishes. Like, what? I just, I just put the dishes. <laughs> what did I do? And what is it? They, you just stepped on an emotional landmine. You didn't know it was buried there. All right? This is where if a couple doesn't have a good fight every once in a while, there's stuff that's buried. And all of a sudden, the husband walks in a little bit late, and boom, he just stepped into a landmine. Or vice versa. The wife says something. Man, I wish you wouldn't go on this fishing trip on our anniversary. Boom, it's just a landmine, just buried there. You didn't even know it was buried. And it's blowing up the relationship, and all of a sudden, you get this contempting attitude. And then the death nail on all of it is stonewalling. This is where you may not physically have left, but you have emotionally left. If you find yourself in one of those four, it's time to go get help. If you find yourself just always criticizing, just know what the next level is. You see, that's the downward progression where you say, my spouse and I, we just aren't even talking anymore. You are on life support in the relationship. It's time to go get serious help. When one spouse is left emotionally, the next thing to leave is physically. That's how serious it is. Because why? Because chemistry is not enough. And here, here's Xerxes. He's going to go back to chemistry. The last relationship didn't work on chemistry. Your last relationship didn't work on chemistry. Chemistry is not enough to sustain the relationship. You have to have something else. So what do we do? We go from chemistry, but then here's the second ingredient. Let's continue reading on. We left off at verse number four. Let's go to verse number seven. Here's what the Bible says. It says, here was a guardian... This is talking about Mordecai. He was the guardian of Hadassah, that is Esther, who was his uncle's daughter. Because she had neither father nor mother, the young woman was lovely to look at and beautiful in form when her father and mother died. 
Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Verse number eight, when the king's notice and his decree were heard, many young women were then gathered to the citadel of Susan, placed under the custody of Haggai. Esther was likewise brought to the king's house and placed under the custody of Haggai, who was in charge of the harem. Because the young lady appeared pleasing to him and had gained favor in his sight, he quickly gave her the ointment and cosmetics, her allotted food and seven young chosen women from the king's palace. He also transferred her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Now, notice Esther's conditions for a second. This is the second word. First word is chemistry. Second word is conditions. Many of you are saying, okay, if I don't have chemistry in the relationship, I better just make sure all the conditions are right. All the conditions. Meaning bills are paid, kids are happy, wife's happy, husband's happy, and, 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 and nobody's sick, you know, nothing's going on. If I could just keep the conditions, and some of you, you're wearing yourself out trying to keep her in the nicest car or keep him with uh, food or, or you're just trying to, trying to keep all the conditions right. And some of you think that the, the basis, the foundation of your relationship are if the conditions are good. And you've built your whole relationship around good conditions. But what is true about every relationship? Conditions aren't always good. You're going to go through some difficulties in your relationship. It's going to get stormy. It's going to get difficult. There are going to be some doctor's things. Kids may go through a rebellious phase. There may be a point where you're both so busy, you're not really connected to each other. There's been some distance, and so the conditions aren't right. Esther, we meet her. She's an orphan who is adopted by, by her uncle, and this uncle takes him in, and then she's taken from her uncle. So she's really lost two families. She's a minority in a country. There's about 50,000 uh, Jewish people in this Persian empire. That's not many, so she's the minority. She's also a hated minority, and so her conditions aren't real good. But what do we notice about her life? The Bible says she's favored. The Bible says something different. So some of us, we're saying, I just can't have a good relationship because of my conditions. My conditions are bad, and therefore, since my conditions aren't good, then guess what? My relationship is doomed, and some of us, you're, you're just looking for perfect conditions, and it's not about the conditions. Conditions aren't going to make the relationship. And if you put all your faith and trust in conditions, it's not going to work. You're waiting for that perfect timing. I love the way scripture talks about it. The Bible says in verse number 12, it says, Now when every maid's turn was come to go into the king of Hazarus, after that she had been 12 months. So for 12 months, this beauty contest is going on. 12 months. That's a long beauty contest. Okay? And every night, 365, there's at least 365 women. So you can imagine these poor girls, what they're going through, all right? Imagine, uh, there's a girl, and she's, it's her turn to go to the king, okay? And to get up, and you can see the other girls. Here's what men, we don't notice. Women don't like other women. They don't. They don't. Guys, you think we don't understand them? They don't even understand each other, all right? And then they don't like each other, because once they do understand, they're like, I don't like you. So you can imagine one girl go up and go, oh, she's going to walk like that? Oh, that's fake hair. That's not even real. I know those lashes. I know she, that is fake. I hope she ain't queen. Oh, she ugly. She ugly. She ratchet. And you can just see her, and it's like, I, no, 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 that, not that girl. She ain't going to be queen. And next night, like, uh-huh, girl, yeah, I saw you, uh, loser, you know. And you can just see the pressure going on for each girl, and they were just looking for this perfect condition because the Bible even says this. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all these women were able to pick whatever they wanted out of the king's house to adorn themselves. That means any Persian silks, any jewelry, anything they wanted to put on to make better conditions. Do you see what we do? We think that we can cover up our character flaws. No amount of cosmetics will cover up the character flaws. And these women have been in a year-long beauty treatments, all right? 
And if at that point, after a year, I'm sorry, sister, it just give up. It's been, it's been a year. It's been a year. And, uh, but you can see this pressure. Now, some of us are sitting here thinking, this is terrible. That's just so sexist. That's chauvinist. I can't believe the Bible would talk about something like that. Isn't it just terrible what they're doing to these women? I mean, they're parading these women in front of one dude. And I mean, this one dude each night gets to be with this, this girl. And I bet at the end, they kind of line him up and he hands the one he's going to choose a red rose or something. Like, like where would we get this idea from? Kind of sounds like the, the bachelor. <laughs> Haven't you seen that modern culture's not so different? We haven't changed much, have we? The underlying theme of this chapter is that a woman's value, she's valuable if she's beautiful. Isn't that sad? That we base a person's value on the external, not the internal. And that's culture. I hate taking my daughter to the mall. She's seven years old, and she's got to walk past those posters of these Photoshopped, airbrushed, tummy tuck uh, models that that's not reality. All right? And the pressure that, men, we don't even know the pressure that our wives go through or that our girlfriends go through because at work, they're expected to look a certain way, act a certain way. And in this day and age, you had to have this physical form, but you, had to, you just had to look a certain way. And culture today is putting those same expectations on every mom and on every uh, girl and everybody today. They're dealing with these pressures. We're not even aware of it. And so there's all these conditions. And some of you, you're just like, man, my relationships, they would really function well if I could just get the conditions right. Man, if I just had better conditions. Man, if I just could get the perfect conditions, everything in my life would be so much better. And you're chasing the perfect conditions. You're like, if I just made more money, or if, or if I just went on a diet, or if he would just go on a diet, if we just eat vegetables. He hasn't ate a vegetable since our wedding 15 years ago. The dude hasn't eaten anything green. He calls it a salad because he put a little leaf on his bacon. That's not a salad. And some of you are just worried about the conditions. And you just think that if I could just get the right condition, if I just made more money, or if I just looked better, or if I could just get this person to listen to me. Because you're all worried about the conditions. Is anybody thirsty? I got, I got something to drink right here for you. And, and nobody, no takers? Don't I hear people saying, don't open it. Don't open it. Don't do it. Are you sure? What's, what's the matter if I were to open this? Are you, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nobody, nobody wants me to open it. Why? Oh, because they were shaken? Why? Because the conditions aren't right? You want better conditions because you're worried that that's going to happen? Is it, that, that's, that's what was going to happen. And uh, actually, we'll set this up here. That's a hazard. We have no money. You slip, you fall, it's on you. But then you say, uh, you look at a girl named Esther, though. All the same conditions, except a little bit worse. Orphan girl, minority. Not a 25-year-old woman who has life experience. This is a teenage girl. But the Bible says that God's favor was on her. And Haggai, he's going to see something in this girl. All the other girls, when it was their turn to go to the king, you're going to see this. They dress themselves up. They put on extra makeup, extra jewelry. But then you're going to see when it's Esther's turn, she's not going to take what she could take. And even though 
You're going through all these storms, and man, life just seems like, what is life doing? What is God doing in my relationship? I just I can't believe that God would allow all this stuff to happen. I mean, it's just incredible what God is doing, and man, if you would just leave me alone, my marriage could work, my relationship could work, and I just don't understand it. God, what are you doing? And It's a dud. Some of you, you think the reason your marriage isn't working is because chemistry. We still have good chemistry. Some of you think it's because of conditions when it's really the contents. Same thing happened to it. Write this down. It's the secret of the spirit. You want a relationship that works. It has nothing to do with conditions. It has nothing to do with chemistry. It's all about the secret of the spirit. What was different about Esther? Why is Esther this amazing woman? This incredible girl. This girl that later we're going to see in chapter 4 says, I'm going to go to the king, and if I die, I die. Here was a woman that said, call for all of my people to fast and pray that God would intercede on her behalf. What was different about her? That she says, I don't need all the clothes like the other girls. I don't need all the makeup like the other girls. I don't need all the jewelry because what is inside is so beautiful. What is inside is so wonderful that anybody else who sees it will be attracted to it. And stop worrying about all the conditions of our relationship and the chemistry and start focusing on what's inside because it's what's inside your relationship that matters. It's the times that nobody sees. Esther's name, the root word of Esther is Hester, which means hidden. It was the hidden things in Esther's life. You want to know what's going to make a great marriage? It's not your date night that you put on Pinterest. That's not what's going to make it. It's the time where you and your wife, you get down to your knees and say, hey, our marriage isn't working. Are we going to fight like crazy over the word of God? Are we going to fight and pray? Are we going to work at this thing? Are we going to go to council? Are we going to go to church? What are we going to do? We're going to do what nobody else sees. We're going to do the things. We're going to get marriage books. We're going to go to marriage conferences. We're going to pray over this thing, and we're going to fight. It's the things that nobody else sees. Too many of us are so worried about our marriage that everybody else sees. Oh, they look so perfect. Look at their little date night, little kids. It's the things that nobody sees because you are basing your value on what's visible, and what's visible is not always valuable. It's not what you could see. It's the hidden things. It's the hidden things in the heart. The Bible says God sees the heart. Man looks on the outside. So stop looking on the conditions and chemistry and start saying, God, give me a spirit that is different. Give me a spirit that will open doors. God, give me a spirit that will save my marriage. God, give me a spirit that will save my relationship. And all of a sudden, God will say, I can answer that prayer. I can do something with that. So how's your spirit this morning? The Bible says in Proverbs, a man's spirit opens doors for him. Everybody loves an employee that has a good spirit. Everybody loves someone who has a good spirit. I remember when I was just dating, I was a couple days away from proposing to my wife. I was at my college, and I went to a small college, about 800 students. And I remember the pastor of the college, he was on a church. The church ran several thousand. And I remember him stopping me because I asked him to sign a book. And he saw my wife in there, and it was my wife, and we were dating at the time. And uh, uh, so he stops me. He says, hey, are you going to marry that girl? And I said, I hope to. I hope to. He said, there's something different about her spirit. 
Because the secret of a relationship is the spirit. Somebody looks at your relationship, they're like, what's different about you guys? You're like, man, we still fight. We still do all the messed up stuff that happens. But you know what? At the end, there's just something deeper. There's something hidden that God is doing. Because some of us, you are waiting and you're worrying instead of waiting and saying, God, what are you going to do? What's going to happen? I love how the Bible says in the verse number 15, now in the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken for her, she waited her turn. Some of you, you're rushing into things. You're rushing into things. You're rushing. And God is saying, wait your turn. Take your turn when it's time. And some of you, you're thinking, I'm going to force this thing. I'm going to manipulate this thing. But Esther, the Bible says that it took 10 months for her to go to the king. 10 months, she waited her turn. And some of you, you're not waiting on God. You're rushing into what you want. God is saying, hey, what I'm doing right now in this season is I'm worrying about the contents. Because you're about to go through some conditions that will destroy your relationship unless you have the right contents. And stop rushing to the next season and saying, God, I can wait these 10 months. I get to do a lot of weddings, and I love to be a part of a wedding. My wife and I, we get the privilege to go and help couples, and it's awesome. But here's what I've noticed, church, and you listen, and listen well, please. Because I see all these couples, they put tens of thousands of dollars into a wedding day, and all this effort into a wedding day, and they got all the clothes for a wedding day, and they got the menu planned for a wedding day, and they got the order of service planned for a wedding day, and they got the processional planned for a wedding day, and then the wedding day is over. And guess what? They didn't plan for marriage. They planned for a wedding day. And it's no surprise the marriage isn't making it. Because they focus on the conditions and not the contents. What are you focusing on this morning? Are you saying, you know what? I haven't lost this relationship. Yeah, maybe at a stonewall point, but I could bring it back. Now that I'm aware of it, there's some things that I could do to save this. It just took one spouse, one spouse to save things. Esther saved her relationship because of one person. You can save that relationship. I don't know if you're in the middle of it, you're at the end of it, or where you are. But if you say, God, I'm not going to focus on my spouse right now. I'm going to focus on me and, God, what you need to do in my heart. Because too many times, the reason your relationship is struggling is you're still holding up the magnifying glass from last week and not the mirror. You say, if you would fix this, that's conditions. Then we would be happy. You see, your bedrock, your foundation of your joy, if it's on anything but Christ, will fail you. So this morning, you're saying, I need to get something deeper. I need content. I need something rich in my relationship. You see, you can go through shaking, and God will do something great. So will you allow God to do something? You say, but I see something in in this King Xerxes. He chooses, and let me just read it for you. I love it. The Bible says in verse 15, when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what the king's eunuch, he guy who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. I said it earlier. It's one thing. Women don't like other women. But here's one thing too. Men, you think we notice women, but women notice women way more than men do. My wife will come home and she'll say, hey, did you see so-and-so's haircut? I'm like, No. Hey, did you see so-and-so has some really cute shoes? No. He said, did you see so-and-so? And I'd be like, no. And let's be honest, 
I just say no, I don't notice any women. I just, just to be safe. It's a trick question. Yeah, I didn't notice her. We were walking through the mall, the movie theater. I didn't see nothing. I saw, I saw, oh, you mean that ugly one that walked by? She was ugly, wasn't she? That's wrong for pastors to say, but I just say, I'm saving my marriage, y'all. All right? So I just say, everybody ugly. They, they, I didn't know. They're nothing. But, but women notice women. So here's what's amazing. The Bible says that not only did the men find favor in Esther, which you want to get other women mad at you? have all the guys like you oh you remember high school and college that girl that all the guys liked oh everybody hated on her why because everybody else liked her but notice about esther the bible says she found favor in the sight of all that means the other ladies that are in that room the other people there those women said you know what i don't want her to be queen i don't want her to be queen and she better not be queen but esther something different about esther esther make a wonderful queen I hope it is Esther. And then she comes before the king, and the Bible says the king fell in love with her. That word love is not lust. I mean, something got him. When you work at a bank, they teach people at a bank how to spot a counterfeit, and you know how they teach them. They just hand them the real thing, hand them the real thing, hand them the real thing, hand them the real thing. For 10 months, King Xerxes had the fake, fake, counterfeit, 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 and all of a sudden the real walks in. And he sees Esther, says, that woman, the contents, something special about her, something special about that man, something special about that woman, something special about that couple. May by God's grace, we say, God, give me the secret of the spirit. You see, it's easy to say no to the lesser when you've seen the greater. Maybe for you, you need to step back and say, God, I've been seeing this picture one way. I've been seeing my spouse this way, but God, help me to see her the other way. Help me to see her value. Help me to see the value that isn't cosmetic. Help me to see the deep value that she's a daughter of the king, that she is valued and she's beautiful and she is wonderful. She sacrifices, she gives, she serves. Help me to see that. Help me to see my husband and, and not some guy that just sits and watches ESPN and Sports Center. Help me to see a guy that would do anything for me. A guy that would lay down his life for his family. A guy that gets up early and stays up late and works hard and doesn't complain. And he does it day in and day out. Help me to see the value in that person. Because then when you've seen the greater, it's easy to say no to the lesser. It's easy to say no to the girl on the side. It's easy to say no to the guy on the side. It's easy to say no to the, to the, to the apps where you could just swipe and just pick somebody. It's, it's easy to say no to anything else because you've seen the greater. And it's time that once again, you see the greater in your spouse. You see the greater in that boyfriend or that girlfriend. It's time that you say, I see the value in you. Because it's time to say, I can see beyond the conditions. And I can see the healthy stuff. This stuff will kill you. This is V8. You need some V8. Tastes like dirt, but it's good for you. You want some V8 in your relationship? Put something healthy. Get the contents. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray over our relationships, over our marriages. We're gonna have conflict. So let's get past the chemistry. Let's get past the, the conditions and let's just focus on God. Give us the right contents. If you're in a relationship with somebody, would you just grab their hand this morning? Whether you're close or maybe it's been struggling, and maybe this, this is the thing you feared coming to a relationship series and all of a sudden you just had a fight on the way to church you haven't been having a good week and all of a sudden you've been asked to hold the hand of that spouse and you're just like man 
This is a bummer, but we're going to pray. And I want you to pray over your relationship. Some of you feel like it's just a date night that'll fix it. No, it's the hidden things. It's you saying, I'm not trying to fix her or him anymore. I'm just going to ask God to do work on me. And so with the hand of your spouse, let's pray. Let's ask God to do what only God can do in our relationships. That he would change us as we place ourselves under his authority. As we allow God to do a deep work in our hearts. So that we can have the secret of the spirit. Everybody else that looked at Esther, they didn't see it. They didn't see it. But God saw it. And just because you feel invisible doesn't mean you're not valuable. God's doing a work. The band is going to play softly as I play. Pray. Dear God, you see these wonderful people. You see people that maybe this is a second relationship or a third relationship or second marriage or first marriage. And Father, we all come from different backgrounds, from all all different uh, stages and phases. and, And God, we need your help. God, we can't do this thing without you. It seems like the world's agenda is to pull relationships apart. It seems like uh, the women in this room, they, they, they get up every day, and every day the pressure is to look a certain way and to act a certain way and dress a certain way and have a certain shape and size. And, and God is like the world trying to conform us into a mold that's unhealthy. Help us to find our value in you. Help our relationships to be strong and grounded. Help us to understand that no matter where the relationship is at, you can save it if we will humble ourselves, if we will just cry out to you, if we will ask God to intervene in a great way, that God can step into a relationship that's bruised and damaged and hurting, and God can save it. And God, I pray for some more Esthers, people that have that hidden beauty, that secret, the hidden part. I pray that we would have amazing marriages. God, we lift up our hearts to you. We pray that you'd speak in Jesus' name.